sacrifices were often certainly blood sacrifices. The Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. What the author of the book of Hebrews realizes is that, that all the practices of this ancient people group, those practices was actually a portrait that was being painted in front of the eyes of all men and women everywhere that one day we would be able to take a giant step back and look at the image, look in essence at the landscape, look at the, at, at the, the, the portrait, if you will, and see that from the time of Adam in the garden of Eden until the very last sacrifice, which was Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. All that was written beforehand was to give us the image of Jesus' death on the cross so that you and I could be firmly convinced that one man offered one sacrifice forever. And now, in the words of the writer of Hebrews, you and I can go boldly into the throne room of grace. I don't have to be fearful today. I don't have to be afraid that I will have hazardly fall into the inner court of the temple and be smitten today. I'm accepted because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a confidence today before God. I may not feel as if I'm the most educated. I may not feel as if I'm the most talented. doesn't matter. I'm in the beloved. I'm a child of God today by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. The image is, is, is not complete in my mind, but it is clear enough to give me a confidence before the Lord. And we have gone through this vein. Now, oddly enough, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews kind of stands as a stark contrast to the preceding 8th and the ninth and the 10th chapters, which was using the imagery of the Old Covenant. And so before we even unveil and get into the testimonies that are recorded in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, I believe that we can discover the purpose for these testimonies being captured by pen are not necessarily found in the 11th chapter, but they're found at the concluding verses of the 10th chapter and the, uh, the, the, the beginning verses of the, of the 12th chapter. And for at the end of the 10th chapter, the writer says this, the 39th verse, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. In essence, he is saying that if you believe in Christ, you are not numbered with those who draw back in unbelief, but you're being numbered with those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, I like to be guilty by association in the right relationships. I want to be found guilty of being a man or a woman of faith by association. Because of my belief, the writer here says, you will not be numbered with those who have fallen back, drawn back in unbelief, who failed to trust that Jesus' blood was the atoning sacrifice, but you will be numbered with those who believed and who had a testimony of faith. This is clarified for us again in the 12th chapter, the first few verses. Let's read it just very quickly, just or glean from it real quickly. He said, therefore, you and I are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. So now he's looking back to the record that he had just penned of the testimonies of men and women. This group of men and women become a testimony or a cloud of witnesses. The language there is sharing with us the imagery of a Colosseum in, the, in that first century and how that in the Colosseum that there would be uh, men and women that were going through their, their, their uh, activities of the, of the sporting event on the floor of the 
Coliseum, but there would be a great cloud of witnesses in the stadium about them. And this group of men and women that we're going to look at their lives briefly today have become a cloud of witnesses to you and I. There are encouragers. In essence, their testimony cheers us onward. Their testimony cheers us onward to continue to believe and not faint and not give up. And he said, so we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So therefore, you and I should lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. I can't run your race for you, but I can encourage you on your journey. Come on. But you've got to set your heart that you're going to run to the finish. He said, look unto Jesus who's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the beginning of our faith. He's the finisher, the ending of our faith. And he also uses Jesus' own testimony as a testimony for us. Jesus himself for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. That That means he saw through the cross. He saw a reward. He saw something beyond it. He saw that if he could endure, if he could endure the chastening and the beating and the being smitten and being spit upon and the lacerations and the pierced brow and the pierced hands and feet, if he could endure the suffering and the anguish and the weight of sin laid upon him, there would come a day and he would reap the reward of being faithful before God. And now he's seated at the right hand of God awaiting his enemies to be made his footstool. And we're exhorted to look to him lest we stumble along the way. And so I believe that that's the context that's created for this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews gives us uh, insight concerning faith, tells us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the thing that you're hoping for. What is its substance? How can you substantiate it? By your faith, because it's invisible. I can't see it in the natural realm, but it's in the eye of the unseen world. It's where I see by the realm of the Spirit. He said here that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not yet seen. He said, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You and I, by faith, recognize that we are the byproduct not of chance of a chance explosion that created everything as we've been, uh, we've been lied to by our modern culture today, but we are the byproduct of, of the plan of God who created us. Everything that is seen is, was made by that which is unseen, And by faith, we recognize it. By faith, we understand it. You know why the the secular scientists are always having to change in certain areas of of, of their belief system? It's because they've omitted the most important factor to understand God's creation. They've omitted faith. I just believe that the God of all the universe just simply said, light be and light was. I just believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form. There was darkness upon the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. I believe that God formed everything according to a plan that he had purposed in his own heart and that he had designed this earth to be inhabited by men and women and he placed the first man, Adam, in the center of the garden that was the center of the world and said, I want you to have dominion. That's what I believe. And if the, the scientists can't see what we see because they don't see by the eye of faith. So by faith, we understand these things, the writer is saying here. 
And then he said this. It's the sixth verse. It's kind of a tipping point for this, the, for this, uh, the testimony that's... He's already given two people's testimony, but he kind of inserts this one here after two uh, testimonies are already recorded. It's a challenge to you and I. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, if you're going to come to God, the writer says, then you must come in belief that he is, comma, that he is what? That he is God. When we come to God, we recognize that he is God. That means he's greater than I can even contemplate. That at the limit of my mental prowess, I've not even scratched the surface of the grandeur of who God is and his great ability and power. He's God. Those that come unto God at whatever season of life they may find themselves in, they must believe that he is, that he's God, and that he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. If you and I set our heart, Shane said it this morning, if you're intentional, if you're diligent, if you set your heart to search after God and find the invisible God, and we understand that his power is revealed in the things that are made, that the creation itself loudly testifies to you and I of the, of the nature of our God. And we understand this today. And you and I set our heart to follow him diligently, to seek after him sincerely, to put our faith and our hope and our trust in his word and what he reveals to us through the word of God, then we can believe in our heart God's going to reward us for this journey. Right? We may face challenges like everybody else. We're going to have ups and downs, highs and lows. But we know one thing. If God be for us, then come on, then who can be against us? A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it's not coming nigh unto me. I can trust the Lord. I can abide under the shadow of his wing. He's my God. He's my Savior, my Deliverer. Come on. He's my Father. He has begotten me by the power of his Holy Spirit. And so therefore, I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to believe God. And the author writes these words here in this passage of Scripture because he's began to give a testimony service, not audibly, but by pen and ink. And he's going over the, briefly the lives of men and women that were captured in that old covenant to inspire us that as they persevered, as they endured, as they went through challenges and they overcame by the power of their faith, then so can you. For he said that, that, that by faith the elders obtained a good report. They became a witness. The word good report in the Greek means to be a witness or to have testimony. Not necessarily say I have a testimony service. In essence, that your life becomes a testimony. More than just audibly that you're testifying about God of what he's done. I have seen people and I've been in testimony services and I'm not saying I'm against them in any capacity, but I've seen people give a testimony that they weren't living a life that supported the testimony that they just gave. The writer here is capturing the lives, not just the words of the men and women. I want my life to be a testimony. I want how I live, how I face, uh, how I face challenges and difficulties to be a testimony. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to be numbered with those who believe or I'm going to fall back under the oppressive culture of which we live today. So that's what the writer here begins to, to mention. Sixteen men and women are actually mentioned in this next passages of scripture. Fourteen men, two women. Three others are unnamed but understood. Joshua and Moses' parents. 
They're mentioned and we understand them, though their names are omitted. Four groups of people are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Israel, the prophets, the women, and others, the writer concludes. And I just believe that if you and I take just a few minutes to glean over their lives, I believe something in their life today can be inspirational to you and I to quicken within our heart to help us at whatever season of life we're in. This is a great diverse congregation of men and women, and there's no way that I could preach a sermon that would hit everybody right square at where they're at in life. But in this short few verses of Scripture... There is something recorded there that can help you with where you are in your life. And if that person endured, if that person faced the challenges and overcame, then so can you. Because they overcame by faith and so can you. Glory to God. By faith, by faith, by faith, the Bible says, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Cain's was rejected. We shared previously, Abel offered the sacrifice of the first fruit of the firstlings of the lamb, and he was accepted before God. Did you know that you and I can offer a sacrifice by faith today? Say, Pastor, what is that? Hebrews 13 and 15 says, By him, by Christ, let us therefore offer unto God the sacrifice of praise continually. Did you know the sacrifice of praise is sometimes exactly that. It is a sacrifice. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I'm going through the most difficult season of my life and I'm easily distracted, but I offer to God the sacrifice of praise. No matter what I'm going through, God, I recognize it's by Him. It's not by me. It's not by what I've done or the season of life I am in. I offer praise to you to God today because of Jesus Christ and His blood on the cross of Calvary. Like Abel, you offer that sacrifice it's well-pleasing to God. It's well-pleasing to God. Enoch was translated, the Bible says, and that he had this testimony that he pleased God. I love this written about, about Enoch for just a moment. Did you know Enoch lived at a time that he didn't have a Bible? He didn't have a pastor? He didn't have TBN? He didn't have the church channel? He didn't have a church building? But he walked with God. In a hostile environment, he trusted the Lord and he pleased God. He had this testimony. The Bible says, By faith, Noah was warned of God of things unseen as of yet. And he built an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I believe Noah gives us an example of where you and I are to a certain degree in our faith. I believe in one sense in using the analogy our involvement in church is to a degree in essence the same thing of Noah putting hammer and nail to that giant ark that he built long years ago. Because when we come together, we become the house of faith. And we come together to join our hearts together in faith because we know there is a day of wrath that's coming upon the earth. We recognize that. We know that there will come a day when the Bible says God will judge all men by Jesus Christ. And if you and I are in faith, come on, we'll be protected and preserved from that day of wrath. Glory to God. So it stands to you and I as a stark reminder that if Noah was able to endure the anger and the resentment for being faithful before God in a day of evil, then so can you and I. And I can't tell you today that we may, not, we may be just on the beginning stages of the corruption of our culture and the distortion of the age in which we live today. And we need men and women to be strong in faith and not give up, not give in. It took 120 years for Noah to complete that ark. But he was faithful before God. Abraham and Sarah are mentioned in the Word of God. It says that Abraham went out by faith, not knowing where he went. 
Have you ever had that moment in your life where you just thought, God, I don't, I don't even... People tell you, you need a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. And I'm like, God, I don't even know about tomorrow, much less a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. And I know that we need, to be, uh, we need to be faithful stewards and we do need to be planners. But the Bible says Abraham went out and he didn't know. He didn't have, he, didn't, he had A, the starting block, he, but he didn't know where Z was. He just trusted God to get to B. Come on. Sometimes there are seasons in life when you just got to step out in faith. You've got to trust God, that God's going to be with you every step of the way. and you're going to, He's going to help you and prosper you and bless you. Then the Bible says in Sarah, two women are mentioned by name. One is Rahab, the other is Sarah. It says that Sarah received strength to conceive seed. I love that passage of Scripture. And again, this is just a brief testimony of men and women's lives to inspire us. Did you know Sarah was 90 years of age and she hadn't had a child as of yet, but a promise had been made to her uh, almost 25 years earlier, been made to her husband Abraham, and as of yet they had no child. And ultimately they were at the place where Abraham, the Bible says his loins were dead and her womb was dead. They were incapable in the natural to produce a child. And the Scripture here in the book of Hebrews is a little bit more gracious to the account that's actually recorded in the book of Genesis because when the angel was sent by God to tell Abraham and Sarah that a year from now they're going to have a son, Sarah's in the tent. She heard the testimony of the angel and the Bible says she laughed within herself. She thought to herself, have you seen the old man? She knew within herself that she was incapable of, in the natural realm of, of carrying the life of a child. She had already entered menopause and she was no longer in the natural realm uh, capable of, of receiving that seed. But the Bible says that something worked inside of her heart. It was what? Faith. For by faith she received strength to conceive. By faith she realized that, wait just a minute, that's no ordinary man. That's an angel of God and he's not carried just an ordinary word. He's got the word of Almighty God in his lips. And what he says, I believe. And she believed that the God that created all things in the genesis of time could empower her lifeless womb to come back to life and she could carry seed inside of her. Glory to God. And a year later, a bouncing baby boy to the prophetical fulfillment of that which had been spoken to Abraham 25 years earlier, a promised seed by the name of Isaac was given to Sarah because she judged him faithful that promise. Are you numbered with Sarah today? Are you numbered with those that are drifting away in unbelief? Their testimony speaks to us today. And today's message is just about the gleanings that you and I can gain very quickly by reading these brief accounts that are recorded in the Word of God. It said that Joseph spoke at his death by faith over Israel's deliverance from Egypt. But the Bible also says that Jacob, listen to this, Jacob by faith blessed his grandsons when he was dying. Jacob, by faith, blessed his grandsons. Grandma and Grandpa, what are you doing as you age? What are you doing? We're blessing those grandbabies, aren't we, Mama Glow? We're blessing. Right, come on. By faith. By faith, we're blessing. Isaac, it says this. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, I love this passage. And you know this account. Isaac's dim-eyed when Jacob comes in and deceives him for the birthright blessing that belonged to Esau. You're familiar with that passage of Scripture. But Isaac, by faith, blessed both Jacob and Esau when Jacob was a deceiver and Esau was a wild man. But he blessed his sons. Where are your children at today? How do you respond when people ask you how your children are? They're the blessed of God. They may be on drugs. They're the blessed of God. 
They're living for God by faith. I'm trusting God to keep them and preserve them. In the natural realm, they may be in the far country. But in the spiritual realm, my seed are the seed of God, the children of God. Psalm 103 says the children of the servants of the Most High God shall continue and they will be established. The Bible says blessed is the man that has his quiver full of children. He's blessed. His children after him are blessed. There's the favor of God. I pray it almost every day of my life. I pray my wife is a fruitful vine by the side of my house and my children as olive plants round about my table. I don't care how they're living in this life right now. I'm speaking the prophetical word over their lives and I know that one day, glory to God, that word will activate on the inside of them and those dormant seeds will leap to life and they'll bear fruit in the kingdom of God and give God all the glory. Hallelujah. Are you numbered with Jacob today? Are you numbered with Isaac? Are you numbered with the men and women of faith that the scripture gives us their brief testimony? And I love this one because there are about four of these that are mentioned. Everything's about parents and their children. And this is Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed. It's their names. And I just, I know I've said this probably four times since I've pastored this church over 11 years. That's a cool name for your parents. Just think about that. Just think about my kids. What's your dad's name, Lee? What's your mom's name, Sherry? Moses, what's your mom's dad's name? Amram and Jochebed. Come on, think about that, really. Just, there's, there's power in that. Are y'all with me on that? I, I mean, it gets, every time I read it, I can't, when I say Moses' parents... Amram and Jochebed. Listen, they had a family in a difficult time. Do you have a family in a difficult time? The culture that we live in around us is degenerating. The foundation of America is being eroded right in front of us. The godly nation that we once were, we no longer are. But you know what? You can have a family of faith. You can Recently, someone was trying to talk, uh, someone even in leadership was trying to talk my daughter Ashley out of not having any more children because of the, the erosion of our culture and the spiritual atmosphere and the climate of our culture. And so when she called and talked to Dad, I said, Ashley, you can't live your life in fear? Come on, somebody. They were slaves, Amram and Jochebed, living in Egypt. Wasn't even their own house they were living in. But they trusted God. And they believed God. And through their family, God brought forth a son that would be a deliverer. A woman had two sons back during the days of the Reformation. That their testimony, and they set this nation ablaze with the power of God in the 1700s. Charles and John Wesley. Many of the hymns that are recorded in the ancient... Methodist hymnals were, record, were written by Charles Wesley. And many people know that John Wesley preached over 40,000 sermons in his lifetime. Amen. Traveling on horseback, going all over this known land, preaching the gospels many times as seven and eight times a day, will accredit their faith to one singular place, their mama and her lap and her testimony. Are you going to be numbered in unbelief as a family that lived in fear? Are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to trust God. Maybe God is going to use my children. Come on, somebody to make a change in this world and in the community and the family and the structure of the life that we live. And so I said, Ashley, don't let anybody rob you of, of the blessing that God has put upon you and your family and your house and your children. Don't let anybody, don't live your life in fear. The Bible says we should occupy till he comes. 
Come on, I'm not going to hide out in the cave somewhere and say all is lost. We're going to live our lives to the brilliance of God's glory and we're going to be a testimony of what we believe by how we live every day of our lives. We're going to pass that same faith to our children and our children's children. Glory to God. Why is this recorded in this passage of Scripture? So that you and I would be encouraged to believe. Moses' parents recognized this was a goodly child and they put him in a bulrush basket and believed that God would protect him. They put this three-month-old baby in a basket and put him in the, the swirling waters of the Nile River trusting that with their hands on it they would surely lose the life of their child. But if God had his hands on it, as long as they held that baby in the present situation, that baby's life was at risk because Pharaoh was killing all the male children or as many as he could kill. And as long as they held him in their hands, he was at risk. But they took their hands off of him and they put him in the hands of Almighty God. And I'll tell you what, it's, what a powerful testimony. You remember, I think we ought to just walk that road for just a minute at a time. Remember, I don't know how Jochebed felt that day when she laid her three-month beautiful child that she recognized as a goodly child in a basket and put him in the edge of the Nile River and turned to walk away not knowing how things would come out but knowing that there was a God in heaven that could do anything that was humanly possible. He could cover that child, protect that child and keep that child and he did. The Bible says that Pharaoh's daughter came down to wash and she saw the child there and she went and she picked him up out of the basket and she drew him out of the water and she named him Moses. For the word Moses in Hebrew means I have drawn him out of the water. And his sister, older sister Miriam, was watching from afar. And Miriam went up to Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, and said, I see you have found a child. Would you like me to go and get a Hebrew mother to nurse the child for you? And the princess said, that's a great idea. And she went and got her own mom. Tell me that's not a faith. She went and got her own mom. And her mom, who was living in poverty, come on, because of the oppression of the Egyptians, is now getting paid to raise her own child at her own breast. Glory to God. That's by faith. By faith, Moses' parents. Glory to God. You can be a parent of faith and trust God in the midst of a crazy culture that you live in today. Let me just tell you, they're cheaper by the half dozen. <laughs> That's not true. Sorry. Sorry. That's, I'm, I'm sorry. Lord, omit that. That's, that's not true. They're not cheaper by the half dozen. Moses, by faith. Just stay with me. It's a testimony service, but not my testimony. Not even your testimony. It's their testimony. I won't cover it all today. I'll just simply skim over it and culminate it. I had one word in my heart today, and that was by faith. You and I need a testimony of faith. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter when he came to years. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He kept the Passover, sprinkling the, 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 the blood upon the, the, the doorplate of his house and trusted that God would pass over, and he did when he saw the blood. The Bible says they, there's the plurality, passed through the Red Sea, and they marched around the Jericho around Jericho. The, they, they passed through the Red Sea and they marched around Jericho till on the seventh time the walls fell flat on the seventh day. 
And then the, here's one tossed in the midst of this testimony, and we're just gleaning it today. I'm kind of like Abraham. I went out by faith, not knowing where I would go. But in this passage of Scripture, there's one that we probably should just draw our attention to very briefly before we close in just a few moments. It says in the 31st verse, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Can you see two women mentioned by faith in this passage of Scripture? Sixteen people named personally in the passage, two women, 14 males. The first woman that's mentioned is the matriarch, Sarah. Everybody knows Sarah, the wife of Abraham, the father and the mother of the people of the Hebrew faith. But how about Rahab? Doesn't that lift our spirits for just a little bit? Whose past was tainted. She's a harlot. She practiced a house. She had a house of harlotry. But she had heard about the Hebrew people and she knew that the pagan gods that she had worshipped since she was a child were not the true one true God, but that the Yahweh God of the Hebrew people was the one and the only God. And when those two spies came into her house that night, she requested of them one thing. Do not let me and my family perish when you destroy the city. You know what the Bible says that they said to her? They said, even though we're not to make a covenant with anybody, we're making a covenant with you, but you've got to do one thing. This very scarlet thread that you're going to lower us out of your window casement down to the valley floor so we can escape back to the campment of Israelites. We want you to do one thing. We want you to wind this scarlet thread in your window casement that when we are coming to destroy the city, when we are coming in full armor and we're prepared for battle, we will see that scarlet thread over your house and we will know that you are are a woman of faith and we will bring you out and we will bring you into our heritage. She did exactly that and I'll tell you what, that was another prophetical type of the blood of Jesus Christ that covered her house and her household that by the power of her faith in the scarlet thread of redemption, she trusted in the Lord and the Lord brought her out of Jericho's destruction and she was grafted in to the olive tree of Israel and did you know that she not only was allowed to live amongst the Israelites, did you know she became the great, great grandmother mother of King David. That means that if you follow the lineage of Jesus Christ, you will find that his lineage is all the way back to a woman by the name of Rahab who was a former prostitute but trusted in a scarlet thread and God miraculously changed her life. God can change your life by faith. God can change your life by faith. And so the author then in culmination as I'm concluding today for just a few moments the scripture says that he said, time fails me to talk about Gideon and about Barak, Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets and he listed their exploits of faith in the 33rd and the 34th verse. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, they wrought righteousness, they obtained promises. What can faith do for you today? Let me tell you, it can subdue a kingdom, it can secure righteousness, it can obtain a promise, it can stop the mouth of a lion. Do you feel like the lions are, are hounding you. By your faith, you can quench the mouth of the lion. Glory to God. It quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong and they became valiant in fight and they turned to flight the armies of the aliens all by faith. The exploits of men and women of faith. And then he said this, women, Daryl joined me on the platform, received their dead, raised to life again. And notice this, and then others, others. We're going to close on the others today, others. Because all the men that were listed there that he said, I don't have time to talk about these men, seven men mentioned there. I don't even have time to go over their testimony. These are men that are famous in Israel, 
for exploits of faith. Famous. David, David looked at a nine foot eight inch giant in the, in the valley of Ella. You and I have talked about it many times and said, you know what? I'm going to take your head off your carcass today, right now. I'm going to sever it right there. It's, it's going to fall, and we're going to feed it to the, to the fowl of the air. I mean, you know, that's brash, bold faith. Every trained warrior of Israel is hiding in a tent, and 17-year-old young boy standing there with nothing but a staff and a sling in his hand. So I'm going to take your head off of you today. Faith. David, the writer said, I don't even have time to talk about these people. Gideon was hiding in a wine press, and the angel of God said, you mighty man of valor, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna spoil the Midianites, and he did. Jephthah led an army, brought about reformation. He said, all the, he said, I don't even have time to talk about them. I mean, you know those are great exploits of faith. Quench the violence of fire, turn to fight other armies. You know, the Bible says that David and Shammah, knowing that his mighty men of valor, backed up in the middle of a, of, of a lentil patch that the Philistines are coming and trying to take their harvest. And two men with swords in their hand defeated an entire army back to back. How did they do that? Come on. How they do? He said, I don't even have time to talk about these men and women of faith. And there sometimes you feel like, my goodness. But then here's others. Here's others. Because those were victories that were won in faith. Here's others. Maybe you feel like the others right now. Look at what it says about others. Others were tortured. Others were tortured and they didn't accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Now see, it's easy to shout when you say, God can silence the mouth of a lion. Others had a trial of mockings and scourgings. They had bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn and sunder. They were tempted they were slain with the sword and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. You know, that's a tough life. Come on, it's one thing for us to always look at the champions, the men and women that for whatever reason made it to the top of the hill, put the flag down, secured it. We say that's faith. That is faith and it took faith to win that victory. But you know what? Sometimes it just takes faith to be in the battle, right? These men and women didn't gain the victory that David did. They didn't win Gideon's battle against the Midianites. They wandered about in a sheepskin and a goatskin. They were destitute, afflicted, and tormented. But you know what? In their heart of hearts, they said, the world is not worthy. And they wandered in the desert and mountains and in dens and caves. But notice this, the 39th verse, and they having obtained a good report through faith. That means they refused to give up. They refused to give in. They were facing the most difficult seasons of their life with constant persecution and they refused to draw back in unbelief, but they continued to trust the Lord. So whether you are numbered with David or whether you're numbered with Amram and Jochebed or whether you find yourself just in the others, the outcome sometimes is not as important as is how you are handling yourself in the season of life you're in right now. Are you there in faith? I know there, there are times that we testify and we talk about people that uh, receive healing. For Let's take cancer, for example. Men and women that we know 
We know that there are men and women in the church that have been miraculously healed of cancer. And we believe in divine healing, don't we, as a fellowship. But we can't just celebrate those who got the x-ray and had no cancer. We have to celebrate those as well that we lost them, but they died in faith. But they died in faith. They believed a God that was invisible. They believed for a city whose builder and maker was God. They believed that the world around them was temporal in the first place and was passing away. And this body that was being eradicated by this, this deadly disease would one day be replaced by an incorruptible body rewarded in God's eternal kingdom. So they died in faith. So I don't know where you're, who you're hanging out with today. I don't know if you were here. I don't know what category we would put you in. I don't know if we would put you beside Samson or if we would put you beside Jephthah or if we would put you beside Gideon or Abraham or Sarah or the women who saw their children raised back to life. Or you might just be grouped with the, the others. But it's all grouped together in a life of faith. They had this testimony that they believed God by faith. That's what we as a church family want to be known. I want to ask your heads to be bowed and your eyes closed. We're going to pray together. I'm going to invite you to the front. I just feel led to do so today in a very special way. A very special way. Who here today is being honest with me and say, Pastor, I'm in a really difficult situation in my life right now. It's a very difficult season for me and my family. And I just need the grace of God. I need the stability that faith gives me. It's an anchor for my soul. Helps me and strengthens me. And I'm just going to want the church family to pray with me today that by faith, I won't be as part of those who draw back, but I'll be as those who believe. Can I see hands? I see two hands. Come on, hands going up. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, be honest. Be honest today. Be honest. Won't y'all stand up today? This is our moment. I want to ask you to do something today. You say, Pastor, do I have to do this? No, you don't, but it does make a difference. It does make a difference. Why do we give an altar call? Why do we give you an opportunity to come forward? Because I believe that when you step out from the seat in which you've been sitting at, sitting, sitting in, and you move to the front, you're moving by faith. You're moving by faith.